0: Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you can download by going to bayshorecc.org app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. Well, good morning, and welcome to Bayshore this morning. We are uh, in a series we've been doing on the Book of Acts, but we're taking a break from that today because it's Halloween and our mega awesome costume party Sunday. So I wanted to preach on Uh, something I've wanted to preach on for a long time, and I want to preach on this series uh, on TV called The Walking Dead. Now, first of all, let me give a disclosure. I know that we have some people here today that you are, you watch The Walking Dead. You have been watching it. It's been on since 2010. Uh, It's in the ninth season, and I think it came out. How interesting is this marketing? It came out on October 31st. 2010, so it came out on Halloween weekend, and this show has been incredibly successful. Now, full disclosure, I haven't seen all of this show. In fact, the real story is I started watching The Walking Dead a couple years ago. I heard about it, and so I turned it on through Netflix, and I got through the opening scene, and that was it. I was gone. I mean, it scared me to death. I had to keep the light on for the next six weeks while I was sleeping, and it just scared me to death. uh, But I kept hearing more and more about it. Uh, Our family, uh, certain members of our family watched The Walking Dead, and we had these conversations at at dinner and stuff. And uh, so I've been really intrigued by The Walking Dead. Now, Karen and I, our taste, you know, when we go to the movies, we go to the movies almost every week, uh, and we sit and we have, you know, time together on our date and all that. So um, usually when we see a horror flick that's in the previews, we always turn to each other and say, not a chance we're going to see that. Because we're not, you know, paranormal. We don't do that. It just scares the bejeebies out of us. I'm a scaredy cat. So, you know, the kind of things we watch are different things. Now, our TV series, our favorite TV series are like This Is Us. We love This Is Us. A third season of This Is Us. We love that. Um, you know, back when, uh, you know, a few years ago, we loved Friday Night Lights. That's an old series, but we just love Friday Night Lights. I just watched it a couple times, and it's just so incredible. Parenthood. We love Parenthood. That was a great series we watched. In fact, we had Parenthood on Netflix, and Netflix. Netflix ran the first sixth season. When they went to the seventh season, Netflix didn't cover it. And we were hooked. We were like in it. We were hooked. And so Hulu had this special where you could join uh, Hulu for one week free. So we joined it for one week and watched the whole seventh season in one week. And uh, so we were sleep-deprived. We were, you know, going off the road and all that, but, but we loved it. And, and I rem, you know, we like certain series. Do you remember the Lost series? How many remember the Lost series? The Lost series. Seven seasons, seven years of your life you watched Lost. I watched Lost for seven years. I was lost the whole time, and when it was over with, I was still lost. So I have no idea what happened or what that was all about, but just scratch off seven years. So... But the reason that I'm intrigued by uh, The Walking Dead is the title. I love the title, and um, and I'll talk about that in a minute, why I love the title. The title, I think, is incredibly intriguing. Uh, But I wanted to find out why people watch The Walking Dead. Now, my assumption was is that people uh, watched it to get an adrenaline rush. You know, we work, and we go through life, and we got to raise the kids and buy the groceries, and, you know, every once in a while, we need a little jolt of adrenaline, and a scary movie will do that for you. So I thought that's why people watched it. What's interesting is this show is highly popular, highly popular between the demographic of 18 to 49. So if you're 18 years old to 49, that's the demographic that this show has really impacted. Now let me ask you this morning, are you, those of you that are 18 to 49, just raise your hand if you're 18 to 49. So we have a lot of 18 to 49 year old people in here. So... Uh, here's what it says. Uh, They said this about The Walking Dead. Beginning with its third season, The Walking Dead has attracted the most 18 to 49-year-old viewers of any cable or broadcast television series. So among that demographic, this show has attracted more 18 to 49-year-olds than any other show ever on cable. So it's highly popular. So I wanted to find out Why are people watching The Walking Dead? So I did a survey on Facebook. Some of you participated in that. And I got three. The question was, um, do you watch The Walking Dead? Uh, Number two, how old are you? And number three, uh, why do you watch The Walking Dead? Now, I got three different responses to that. One response was, yes, I watch The Walking Dead, and I love it. I love it. Second response was, no, I don't watch The Walking Dead. Third response was, no, I can't believe you're asking us that, because that is a hideous, demonic show. That's the other response I got. So I got all of those reactions. And so, uh, so I did this, and a lot of people from the church responded, and then people in the community, and, um, and some, certain people told me, hey, I'm coming to church on Sunday because you're preaching on The Walking Dead. So that's great. I'm all about that. But here's what the people that liked it. Donna uh, wrote, I love it, the suspense excitement, the survival, how they have to work together to make sure they survive facing their fears, the characters. June, who is uh, 61, I believe, June wrote, I like it, love the storyline and the actors. Lori Lori Lynn wrote, she's 41, yep, I like the psychological aspects behind it. It's interesting seeing how many people behave, how people behave when faced with a whole new normal in life. Randy, who is 55, said, I've seen every episode. I'm fascinated with books and movies that center around a storyline where only a remnant of mankind remains after the other 99% have been removed due to some cataclysmic event. I recognize it being a a fantasy. Okay, the special effects dealing with the zombies is amazing too. Lisa said, used to watch it, like the suspense, put myself in their place, sometimes how I would handle the whole survival mode thing. Angela, 40 years old, said, I love it. I enjoy the characters, stories, and effects. I never thought I would like, like it, but once I started, I couldn't stop. It is interesting to watch how people survive in, in certain situation, situations. Julie writes, I like the fictional storyline of what people would do and become if the world survived, suffered a, a Uh It's neat to see how people change, some for the good and some for old, and, and she is 36. Uh, Arian Ar- Ar- said, I love it. I'm 24. I don't think I would enjoy it. I didn't think I would enjoy it, but it has a really interesting storyline and character. Now, I want to just read one I thought was really interesting. Uh, This one is really interesting. Marlene from Florida. Marlene uh, Summerall. I know Marlene really well, uh, and she's 61 years old. She says, yes, uh, I'm 61. I watch it. Always hated this type of show. Watched the first one and was hooked. Storyline got me. I hated the zombies. I had just lost my brother, my mother, and my dad, and I saw how raw the people on the show were from losing their loved ones and having to bond with others so quickly. Great show. The gore is not really a factor for me. So really interesting, uh, interesting response here, uh, and uh, really, really cool. Uh, Susan and uh, Susan and Dean, who comes to our church, uh, they said they love it. Uh, We love the character, the development, and love those people, the love that people have for one another. Now, my favorite. No response was was from Hartley. Hartley <laughs> says, No, I have trouble sleeping at night enough now. So, anyhow, that's what she said. So, I totally get that, Harley. That's really good. So, it's interesting the responses. So, this week, um, because I hadn't watched much of The Walking Dead, you know, I'd gotten that, you know, 10 minute stint in, you know, before I got scared. So, this week, as sermon prep, I did a lot of watching The Walking Dead. So, I said, Karen, I'll be gone for four hours. I got to do sermon prep. So, anyhow, I was watching. The Walking Dead, and learning about it, and, and there, you know, it, once you get past the zombies and all that, the storyline is really pretty incredible how people work together. So it's interesting. Basically, it's about uh, Rick Grimes, and those of you that are Walking Dead people, you know this Rick Grimes is a sheriff who was shot in a, you know, car chase, and he goes into a coma, and when he wakes up, wakes up the whole, you know, the whole planet basically is annihilated of just their certain pockets of living people left, but uh, everybody else is a zombie, and, uh, and so his wife, Lori, and his son is missing, and uh, he travels to Atlanta. Here's a picture of Rick Grimes, and he's a really interesting character here, and uh, he's like, he's a survival guy, he knows how to, he, he works with other groups, and there's, it's not just the zombies in the story, it's these rival survival groups where there's like this, this kind of like uh, trying to see who's the most powerful, there's power struggles going on, and so the people uh, in the story are constantly, you know, trying to survive and go through this. But you got the zombies that are there and, and all of that. So it's very, very interesting. And they go from different place to different place. And the, the thing about zombies is, uh, zombies are, you know, the only way, the only way, zombies are hopeless. You know, you can't do anything with a zombie. The only thing you can do with a zombie in the show, and the series, is to shoot them in the head or to cremate their body. That's it so they're hopeless. So it's this kind of story where people have lost their loved ones they are now zombies and all that. So I watched this, and, but really what intrigued me about this whole thing, what really has intrigued me about it is the title, the title, The Walking Dead. Now, I love that title. I think that title is a very, uh, that captures a concept in the Bible, The Walking Dead. And uh, I just think that's incredible. They could, and I, th- I think the title has something to do with the success of the show. I think if they just called it "Zombies on the Move" or "Zombies Coming," I don't think that would have done it. But when they say "The Walking Dead," man, that really that really captures you. The Walking Dead. There's people walking around that are dead, and so um, so I thought, wow, you know, the Walking Dead is an oxymoron. An oxymoron is when you put two contradictory things together that don't go together. And so the walking dead, the walking dead, you know, would be like, a, a, here's a couple oxymorons, would be like a happy, HOA, a happy HOA member, you know, that would be an oxymoron. Um, how about this one, a helpful teenager, you know, that would be another oxymoron. A excellent New Jersey driver, that would be another one there. So, uh, you know, whatever your uh, you know, the oxymorons, you know, I, I love, you know, oxymorons. I think they're interesting. You know, this, you're not going to get this, but a few years ago we had a softball team and, you know, there was all these fights with the softball league. And I said, Christian softball is an oxymoron. Anyhow, it's just, it's just crazy. But it's, that's what got me because I think that the Bible talks about the walking dead, that in the Bible... There are people that are the walking dead. Now, I think probably this morning when some of you got out of your car and you came here, you didn't walk like zombies, but you were the walking dead. You came in here and you were the walking dead. There's people all through Sussex County, all through Wicomico County, in Salisbury, in Georgetown. If you go to the Atlas today, they're not walking like zombies, but they're the walking dead. They're the walking dead. Now, the New Testament has two primary words for the word life, the opposite of death. Two primary words for uh, the word life. Now, the first word is the word bios. Bios is one word, Greek word, that's used to describe life in the Bible. Bios is the word we get biology from, and it speaks of physical life. Physical life. Uh, Bios is... um, is is the life that you have when you wake up and you breathe the air. It's your five senses relating to the physical world. And everybody here this morning, every single person in this room, you have bios. We all have in common, we have bios kind of life. We all have bios. If you don't have bios, you're a corpse here. But everybody here has bios. And that's a very, very common thing. Now, when I'm sitting on the couch and the other night Karen was making some apple dumplings and I'm sitting there and I could smell, I could smell the apple dumplings in the kitchen. And I'm like walked in the kitchen, you know, because I smelled those apple dumplings. My bios, my physical body is relating to the physical world. And when I see things and I hear things, if I were, if we were to make a really now loud noise in here right now, if the microphone would go to squeal, please don't do that. If we made the uh, mic- mic- microphone squeal, everybody would react because we all have BIOS and we relate to the physical world through BIOS. So everybody here has BIOS. Now... So bios is two things about it. You relate to the physical world through your bios, through your life, your physical life. And the second thing about bios is all bios is temporary. Bios has an expiration date on it. What that means is, is that you and I have an hourglass that the sand is running through and we will only have bios so long. We will only have bios so long. Our life is slipping away. We are... Paul said it this depressing way. He said, though outwardly atle- we are perishing, yet innerly we we're being renewed day by day. So, one of the things that bios is, bios is temporary. You would only have bios a certain amount of time. And so it just kind of goes through, you go through life, and and bios is is quickly uh, slipping by. And so, if bios is temporary, if bios is limited, if we only have bios for a certain amount of time, then that means that because we have limited days here on the earth, the Bible says in Psalm, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So, if you know that you only live a certain amount of days, you only have bios for a certain amount of time here on the earth, that makes every day infinitely valuable. So, when a lady calls me, a lady called me a couple years ago, right before Thanksgiving, and she says to me, she says, I'm not going to go to Thanksgiving dinner because I'm mad at my siblings, I'm mad at my sister in particular, and I'm not going to go to Thanksgiving dinner. And she went on this rant, and I just listened to her, she went on this rant about her family And I listened to her and I said to her, I said, you know, your parents are getting older and I get the whole thing about your family and your sisters. I get that. And your brother, I get the whole thing because listen to this, all families are dysfunctional. It's just a matter of degree. Every family has some weird people in it. How many people have some weird people in your family? Just raise your hand. You know, and if you don't have any weird people in your family, you are the weird one. That's what's going on here. But I said to her, I said, your parents are getting older, and I said this, you only have so many Thanksgivings left, so every Thanksgiving is important. So she went to Thanksgiving dinner, and I was delighted at that, because BIOS is limited, because it's for a short amount of time. My dad always says, life is short, you better take time to enjoy it now. And I love that philosophy. That's a good philosophy. I was walking the other day. It was Wednesday night. I was coming back from my walk. I got my work done. I took a walk. And Karen went to get our granddaughter, Willow Grace, and, and uh, brought her home from school. Lord Baltimore School, where she goes to school, and brought her home. And I'm walking, and Willow sees me, and she's nine years old, and she starts running across our yard toward me. And I saw her running. She had little pink tights on and you a know, little shirt covering it and I could see her running. I could see her, uh, her brown hair blowing in the wind and she's running. I just took that picture. I made a mental picture that. She ran across my neighbor's yard over his newly seated long, ran across that <laughs> and she put her arms around me. And I took that in because my bios, my hourglass is slipping away. So we need to enjoy the days we have. And I want to just read this to you from Irma Bombeck. Irma Bombeck, great writer, and uh, she's uh, deceased now, but Irma Bombeck was an incredible writer. And she wrote this about if I had to live my life all over again. And uh, it was just really, really good. She, she wrote this after she found out she had a terminal disease. And she, she realized that, you know, she was not going to live forever. And Irma Bombeck was a great writer. Anybody know Irma Bombeck? Know about her writing? Her her, her best book that she ever wrote was uh, was on family and marriage, and it was entitled "A Marriage Made in Heaven," or "Too Tired for an Affair." That was the name of the <laughs> title. She was very witty. And uh, here's what she said: If I had to live my life over, if I had to live my life over, I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over to dinner even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have eaten the popcorn in the good living room and worried much less about the dirt when someone wanted to light a fire in the fireplace. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather ramble about his youth. I would have never had insisted the car windows be rolled up on a summer day because my hair had just been teased and sprayed. I would have burned the pink candle sculpted like a rose before it melted in storage. I would have sat on the lawn with my children, not worried about, my gra- about grass stains. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more while watching life. I would have shared more of the responsibility carried by my husband. I would have gone to bed when I was sick instead of pretending that the earth would go into a holding pattern if I weren't there for the day. I would have never had bought anything just because it was practical, wouldn't show soil, was guaranteed to last a lifetime. Instead of wishing away nine months of pregnancy, I'd I'd have cherished every moment and realized that the wonderment growing inside of me was the only chance in life to assist God in a miracle. When my kids kissed me impetuously, I would never have said, later, now go get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love yous, more I'm sorrys, but mostly given another shot at life, I would seize every minute, look at it, and really see it, live it and never give it back. What a great great thing of wisdom. BIOS BIOS is temporary. We all have BIOS today. Now the second ty- type type of, of life is zoe. Now, zoe is God's kind of life. Here's what it says in uh, John 10, 10, and uh, this is where we see God's kind of life. We see zoe as it comes uh, into focus. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's talking about the devil. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, zoe, and have it to the full. I've come that they may have life, zoe, and have it to the full. Now, it's possible to have bios, but not have zoe. You can can have bios where you just kind of go through life, and you're not really alive inside. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. This is a key text for this idea that we're talking about this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, speaking to the Ephesians, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. He basically is saying, you were biologically alive, but spiritually you were dead. And imagine this, a whole city, this ancient Greek city of Ephesus, the whole city was made up of dead people. They had biological life, but they had no life inside of them. And Paul said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions. You were the walking dead because you kind of, went through, you had the biological life, did not have any uh, spiritual life inside of you. So Paul talked about that, and he talked about how these people would have this, you'd be able to walk biologically, they would be able to go through the motions of living, physical life, but inside they were dead. In The Walking Dead, the first season when Rick Grimes gets to Atlanta, he goes to Atlanta and, and it's horrific vision of the whole city filled with dead people. Whole city filled with dead people and these zombies everywhere. So this is interesting to me how this, uh, this whole thing plays out when we think about, you know, are we, are we people that just have biological life or do we have zoe, do we have spiritual life as well? This is what Jesus meant. When he spoke to Nicodemus, Nicodemus came to him at night. We don't know why he came at night, if he was embarrassed or if he was, you know, that was just a figure that John was using. Nicodemus came, and Jesus didn't give him a chance to ask his question. He said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Isn't that interesting that Jesus talked to him about being born again, and he had biological life, but he had not been born spiritually. He had not been born spiritually. So it's possible to have one kind of life and not have the other kind of life. Some of you here this morning, you have bios, but no zoe. You have no spiritual life. You're like Paul said, you're dead. You're like a walking dead person. You're dead in your transgressions and sins. And then there's others of you here this morning, you have biological life, and you have zoe life too. You have two kinds of life. You have bios and zoe, and you've been made alive because of the work of Jesus. And there was a time when Danny Christ was uh, sort of a, he just had bios, he just had biological life. And when I heard the gospel preached, I heard people tell me about Jesus. And I listened to that sermon in the Nazarene church. I was sitting there with bios life. I had physical life. I could hear, I could see, I could smell, but inside I was a dead man. I was a walking dead little boy. But then I heard the gospel, and I went, and I knelt in front of that church, and the Holy Spirit came in me, and I wasn't dead anymore. Paul said, you were dead in your sins, but the Holy Spirit came and made you alive. And some of you here this morning, you've been made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've been what theologians would call, you have been regenerated. You've been made alive because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you have two kinds of life in you this morning, you have the bios life and the zoe life, just say a big amen this morning. So how do I know if I have Zoe life? How do I know if I have spiritual life inside of me? There's two definitive signs that show us if we, have, um, if we have Zoe life, if we have spiritual life. The first one is appetite. We have a spiritual appetite. People that have been born inside, they're alive inside, they're not a walking dead person. They don't just have biological life, but they have Zoe life in them. They have an appetite for spiritual things. They are hungry for things that are spiritual. They're hungry for God. They're hungry for more of Jesus. They have a hunger. There's an innate hunger in them. So some of you came this morning, you like couldn't wait to come, and you just came to church, and you are passionate about coming to church. You're passionate about Jesus, and you're passionate about small groups. You're passionate about being with other people because you have a spiritual appetite. And one of the signs to vindicate the authenticity of our salvation is this. Do we have a spiritual appetite because living things have a hunger? Now, some of you remember when you had your baby and your baby was staying in the room with you in the bassinet? How many used to keep your baby in the bassinet in the room with you? Do you remember what happened at 3 o'clock in the morning? It's it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you're in a dead sleep, and then you hear that baby crying. That baby's crying for one reason. That baby is hungry. That baby wants some food, wants some physical food. And I remember, you know, being in the bedroom and Tim crying, little baby, and, and uh, Karen, you know, we're in bed and, and the baby's crying in the bassinet, little white bassinet next to us. And uh, we didn't feed our baby with a bottle. We fed our baby the other way. I don't want to get too specific here. And so I just turned to Karen. I said, honey, your baby's up. And nature has not endowed me with the equipment I need to help you in this matter. So she had to feed that baby because the baby was hungry. The baby was hungry for physical food because the baby had an appetite. And life produces an appetite. Dead things don't have an appetite. We could roll, I don't want to be morbid here, but this is Halloween, so here we go. I could, we could roll in a coffin here, and corpse in there. We could open up the coffin, and we could put in front of that, that dead corpse, we could put uh, some prime rib, we could put some baked potato. Now, should we put sour cream on the baked potato or not? How many of you think sour cream, you should put sour cream on there? Okay, sour cream on the baked potato, butter, and you got asparagus. And you got, you know, some pie. You can put it, in, and, it's, and it's steaming. And the person's laying there, nothing. They're not hungry. Now, let me, I don't want to get too complicated here, but why aren't they hungry? They're not hungry because they're dead. Say it with me. They're not hungry because they're dead. So we got the same coffin there. We take away, we take away the prime rib, we take away the baked potato, we take all that away, and we bring, we bring some grotto's pizza. Grotto's pizza. How many are love grotto's pizza? You're grotto's people. people. How many are Nicoli people? You like the Nicole's better? Raise your hand if you're Nicoli people. You all are absolutely wrong, but anyhow, it's good to know. <laughs> so some people love grotto's, some people don't, but we take grotto's there. Hey, let's just, let's put grotto's and Nicole pizza. We'll put it both there. We'll put it, you know, put it right there. Nothing. There's no appetite because they are dead, and dead things don't have an appetite. Okay, let's really test it. We got the corpse there. We got the coffin. We take the gratis pizza away. Let's make the ultimate test. This is the ultimate test. The ultimate test is we get a big thing of thrashes french fries, and we put it right there. Put it on that person, and if there is any life in them... How many know they're going to reach for some Thrasher french fries? How many know they're going to do that? Let me ask a technical question here. How many are vinegar people and non-vinegar people? If you're a vinegar person, that's right. My wife is not. She's wrong. Anyhow, that's right. <laughs> but if a person has Zoe, spiritual life, they have a spiritual appetite. If you're here this morning and you're here because wifey brought you here and told you to come and drug you in here against your will, and you're sitting here and you can't wait till it's over with, that may be an indication that you've never got Zoe spiritual life. If you're a teenager and you think, man, I'm I'm not passionate, I'm not interested, maybe you don't have Zoe because Zoe produces a spiritual appetite. It says in Psalm uh, 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. And there's this innate passion inside of people who have Zoe, who have been born again, have the life of God in them. The people that have the life of God inside of them, there's a natural possession, a natural passion for spiritual things. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Listen to that. Listen to it very carefully. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Say it with me. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, the last test to see if a person has uh, spiritual life if they have zoe is this test. First test is do they have a spiritual hunger, spiritual appetite? And I just want to affirm some of you have that. You just have that. You're just hungry for the Lord. You're not perfect. You don't always feel God, but there's this overarching hunger in your heart toward the Lord. And that's a sign of life. Life produces an appetite. Say it with me one time, one more time. Life produces an appetite. So it says the Bible says to examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. And so when I talk to people and they say, you know, man, I don't ever want to go to church or I don't ever want to read the Bible or I don't ever want to go to a small group. And I don't just, I'm not interested in that kind of stuff. My, my uh, assessment of that, as I look through the biblical lens, is I, I'm not sure that person has a genuine life-giving experience because life produces an appetite. Now, the last thing is, is when you have Zoe life, it affects how you live. You begin to live in a different way. You begin to walk in a different way. Uh, And and you can't have the Zoe life inside of you without your life changing. Now, it's ironic that the Bible says we're not saved by good works, but we're saved unto good works. We're not saved by good works, but when we have an authentic relationship with Jesus, our relationship with Jesus will produce a behavioral and a life-changing life. Not all at once, progressively progressively, a little bit at a time, we begin to change, and uh, we just we see God beginning to change us. The Bible says in 1 John, talks about our walk, how our walk has been changed. So, a person that has an authentic relationship with Jesus, has spiritual life inside of them, they have an appetite, and then they begin to walk differently. Uh, they begin to change. And so, there's a uh, story in, in the Old Testament. Jacob, Jacob in the Old Testament is wrestling with this angel. His brother Esau is coming to kill him, and he's wrestling with this angel. And the angel is, is literally, it looks like from the text, it looks like it's a, it's a theophany, a, 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 an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. And, and so he has this encounter with, with this angel, the Lord, and he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord all night long. In the morning, the Bible says that the angels hit Jacob's hip Hit him in the hip. And and it says that it says that Jacob walked with a limp after that. And he had this it affected how he walked. And he called the place Penel, which means face of God. So the 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 metaphor is, is that Jacob had an encounter with God. He met God face to face. And when he met God face to face, it changed how he walked. And when a person comes to Jesus, it changes how they walk, how they live. Not all at once. How many here would say, raise your hand and say, I'm not perfect? This week we'll testify to that. Just raise your hand. You're not perfect. And you're not what you're going to be, but you're sure not what you used to be. How many are grateful for that? How many God's changing your? Amen. So when I did this, uh, started this, this sermon. What, what it really inspired, it was a lot of things, me wanting to preach on the title, The Walking Dead, because I think there's a lot of people walking dead people in our world, uh, was, was a picture of Jeremy Taylor and his wife, Paige. And this is Jeremy and, and Paige as they dressed up for a float they were going to be in. And this is Jeremy. I've known Jeremy since he was a little boy. He has a twin brother named Matthew. And, uh, and this is their little girl, Eva. And you can see there's another baby in the background. And they're dressed up as zombies because they work out at this CrossFit place in Milton and the, Milton had a zombie parade on October the 20th and so they were dressing up to support their gym and I want you to see the float that they had at their gym uh, and all these people dressed up to, to emphasize, to, to promote the gym the Cal L uh, CrossFit and exercise because zombies will eat the slow ones first <laughs> now that's seriously funny right there So, back to the picture. I saw this picture. And you know the thing about zombies? I don't know everything about like The Walking Dead, like some of you guys do, but I know it seems like what I've learned so far is there's no hope for zombies. There's no hope. You a zombie, you a zombie. The only thing that can happen is you just get shot in the head or cremated. That is not a good storyline. Zombies are zombies. There's no hope. But let me tell you something. I do not believe that about human beings. I believe that God can change any human being. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, "If listen to this, if anyone be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. So this is a picture of, of Paige and Jeremy and Eva, and here's a picture of what they really look like. There is how they really look. And you know the thing about The Walking Dead, well I didn't watch The Walking Dead, is those hideous looking figures. But here is uh, Jeremy and Paige with their big smiles and beautiful. And this is what God can do in a person. And here's Jeremy and here's Paige. And I don't know how he ever got Paige. We have no idea how that happened. (laughs) But this is what God can do in a person's life. He can take them for something ugly. He can make them beautiful. I saw it this week. My nephew, Brooks Musser, who is, uh, I think uh, Brooks is in his late 20s. And Brooks is my nephew. I'm his uncle. And he got hooked on drugs uh, as in, uh, right out of high school. He had a terrible heroin addiction. He stole. He lived a, just a terrible life. And everybody in the family, we just sort of like didn't think Brooks could ever get better. Didn't think he could ever get better. He was in jail, get out of jail, couldn't get a good, good job. He would act out again. He would use again. He would steal and end up back in jail. And it happened twice. And I remember he got it one year right before Christmas, and I could just see his face, how sad he was. But God's done something in his life. And so now when I'm counseling people with addiction issues, I have Brooks come, and he sits there with me. And I counsel a little while, and I say, Brooks, tell him your story. Tell him your story. And Brooks tells him his story. And I texted him last night. I said, Brooks, tell me a little bit about you. You've got got this great job. He works for this pool company, and, and Rehoboth, the company, loves him. He's got his own truck now, and he's prospering. He's doing well. And I said, Brooks, how long have you been clean? He said, I've been clean 18 months and two days. 18 months of jubilee. And I got a picture, of Brooks. I want you to see this picture. He is smiling. He's happy. That looks like a little bit of a goofy picture. I look at that picture, and I know what he looked like at Christmas dinners. I know what he looked like when he was in despair. I know what he looked like. I know you couldn't even hold a conversation with him. And I couldn't get over how engaging he is and how smart he is. And we had these conversations. And I'm in these counseling sessions. And I'll, I'll turn it over to Brooks. And Brooks will say these things that are so profound and so interesting and so helpful to people. You know what I believe? I believe that God can take anybody that's dead and give them a new life and give them hope. Amen. So, when I think about the walking dead, I think about people that are shuffling through life, they got biological life, they don't have any Zoe life, but when a pe- person comes to the Lord, and Brooks told me this Thursday night, he sent me a text, he helped me with a wonderful young man, I'm counseling and helping, and I love dearly, and we've been, and Brooks shared some really helpful things. He got home, and he said, he said, Uncle Danny, I got home, and he said, I fell on my knees, and when I fell on my knees, he said, I felt God speak to me. I felt God's power in my life, and he said, I felt like the Lord said to me that I'm going to help many, many people, and that I was born for this. I said, Brooks, that's amazing. Give the Lord a hand for that. So, to close, I'm trying to find the exit ramp here. To close, I want you to show a picture of uh, the zombies of Jeremy and Paige before. This is before Jesus. Next picture. This is after Jesus. Would you lift your hands to the Lord this morning and thank the Lord for His grace to change you and work on your life? Zoe life, Holy Spirit, power of God the power of God into salvation. We're saved by God's power. And as we uh, raise our hands to the Lord this morning, if you're here this morning and you haven't known the Lord or not, you've you got biological life, you don't have a spiritual hunger, you're here under duress, you don't even know how you got here, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's opening his, your eyes to see the reality of Jesus, of Jesus' ability to change you as you're, as you're here in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just right now, just lift up your heart to God and say, God, change me, work in my life, come into my life, make me new, and invite the Holy Spirit to come in you. And here's the prayer we pray. Let's all pray this for people that are learning to pray for the first time. Let's pray this. This is how we all come into the kingdom of God. Let's all pray this out loud to help people that are receiving Jesus right now. Say this, Lord Jesus, I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. I'm dead inside. I got physical life, but I'm dead inside. I invite Jesus to come in, to make me alive, to make me new. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He's been raised from the dead, and before that, He died for all my sins. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord. I invite the Holy Spirit to come in and make me alive. And make me a new person, and let's as we close this prayer. Let's quote this together for Second Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone, if anyone, one more time, if anyone, be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and you. The Holy Spirit spoke to you. A very sacred moment as you're receiving Jesus in your life. And the next thing is to be baptized. We're going to have a baptism service next Sunday. There's a little card in your, in your chair, a little blue card about baptism. Just write your name on it. And, uh, or go to the information center and say, hey, listen, I want to be baptized next Sunday, and we're going to be baptizing people next Sunday, people that are coming into the kingdom of God. And if you're glad that the life of God is in you and you're a Christian, would you say a big amen? amen. That you're not a walking dead person, but you're a living person. Amen.